0: You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com.
1: I want you to go ahead and um, turn with me uh, to Genesis chapter 18, Uh, not Genesis 18, Genesis 19 is what we're going to be reading. Genesis chapter 19, verse 1. We've been in Genesis 18 and 19. We were supposed to get to this chapter last week, but we just couldn't make it. And I could preach a dozen more uh, sermons on these these two chapters. But we're in a series called uh, The Lord Came Down, and that's taken from many places where there are what's called theophanies. Theophanies, if you've not been with us, theophanies are appearances of God in physical form in the Old Testament. Christophanies are appearances of Christ in physical form in the Old Testament. And we've been studying these. And this phrase, the Lord came down, uh, almost holds with it something good, usually holds something good uh, for the righteous and something bad for the wicked right? It it often uh, means blessings for the followers of Christ. And it often means wrath for those who are continuing to rebel against God. And that continues to be the case in Genesis 19. But today we're going to see the consequences of enjoying life a little too close to the foes of God. There's a story of a farmer. He was getting sick of the crows on his property. And so he comes out of the house with a shotgun and starts blasting these crows. And uh, when the dust settled, uh, he walked over there to where the crows were laying on the ground. And there was the family parrot right in the middle of all those crows. And he had a broken wing and his kids came running out of the house to check on their parrot that had escaped. And they see him laying there flapping with a broken wing on the ground. They said, Dad, what happened? He said, I'll tell you what happened. Bad company. (laughs) Parrot was hanging with the crows. And uh, today we're going to see a stark contrast between Abraham's company and Lot's company. So let's read this together. These are the words of God. Genesis 19, verse 1. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening... And Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, little L, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we'll spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house and he made them a feast and he baked unleavened bread and they ate very similar to to how Abraham had treated them but before they lay down the men of the city the men of Sodom both young and old all the people to the last man surrounded the house and they called to Lot where are the men who came to you tonight bring them out to us that we may know them Lot went out to the Men at the entrance shut the door after him and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, stand back. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn and he's become the judge Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and he shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out, groping for the door. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? the angel speaking, sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of the place. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, up get out of this place for the Lord's about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-laws to be jesting. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot saying, up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought Uh, them out. One said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, oh no, my lords. Behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you've shown me great kindness in saving my life, but I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it's a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my, my life will be saved. He said to them, behold, I grant you this favor also that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. Of course, Zoar actually means little bitty. The sun, verse 23, had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities. It wasn't just Sodom and Gomorrah, there were others. And all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. I'm going to ask Bethany Bulahannis to pray this morning via video, 10,000 miles away. She recorded this for us. This praying.
0: Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the great privilege it is every single time we're able to gather with other brothers and sisters of the faith and worship you to learn from your word, to encourage and challenge one another. So I pray, Father, now that as Piperton um, service begins, Lord, I pray that it would be a blessed time. Lord, would it be a time when you receive much glory. Father, I pray for the believers in the room, Lord, of which I know there are many. Father, that you would encourage each heart, that there would be um, things from the songs, things from the sermon, from the prayers that are prayed that would encourage them in their walk with you. Lord, truths that they can take with them throughout their week. And Father, if there is a lost person who is, is gathered within this morning, God, Father, I pray that you would draw them unto yourself, that you would um, allow them to see how great you are and allow them to... Uh, to be drawn into your kingdom today lord would you use this church um, as they gather together lord and as they are sent out into their community to serve you up throughout this entire week father i pray that you would use each and every person who is gathered there today uh, to make much of you lord all for your name's sake and for your glory it's in your precious name that i pray amen
1: amen Amen. May God bless the reading of his word and the prayers. And if you don't know who that is, that's Bethany and Kenny. They live in South Asia, and they're some of the workers that we uh, that that we support. Now, just to catch us all up, for those of you who like timelines, you know, we've had the fall of mankind uh, uh, in the, the Garden of Eden. Then you had the flood of Genesis chapter 7, which happened around 2350 B.C., and biblical historians estimate Uh, that the earth was around 1,650 years old at that point, uh, based on those genealogies. Then about 150 years later, 2200 BC, you got the Tower of Babel, which we, we looked at a few weeks ago, and then the confusion of languages, of course, Genesis 11, the fallout from that. Fast forward another 200 years, around 2000 BC, and we have the birth of Abraham, Fast forward another 70, 80 years and you've got the destruction of Sodom. So this all happened around 4,000 years ago roughly. All right. Just for those of you that kind of want to know where to place this, it's just been rebellion upon rebellion that we've been looking at and, uh, but also blessings on blessings. And we've been answering questions from Genesis 18 and Genesis 19. Uh, Two weeks ago, we asked, is this a theophany or was this an angel? You know, when the three showed up at Abraham's house and I believe the scriptures were pretty clear that this was a a theophany, maybe a Christophany of uh, Christ appearing in physical form in front of uh, Abraham and eating with him. And then the sending the angels on down here to, to Sodom. And then last week we looked at uh, the question, which we're going to continue today. Are you God's friend or are you... Are you his foe? Which are you, friend or foe? And last week we kind of focused on the friend side of it. In Abraham, he's called a friend of God uh, three different times in Scripture, and I believe Genesis 18 and 19 really help categorize the attributes of a friend or a foe of God. Remember, Abraham bowed uh, only to God; he bowed to God alone. And uh, you believers, beware the the spiritual mistress. All right. Any person, place or thing that you prioritize above God. That's your mistress. That's who you're cheating on uh, with God. And uh, uh, second, he's hospitable to his guest. Abraham is more than cordial here. Uh, He's hospitable even when it's inconvenient. Right, he he he's urgent to serve them. He's observant of all their needs. You know, the he knew their feet needed washing, they needed food and drink, and provided all those things. And he was extravagant in giving them the very best in his hospitality. And then third, Abraham is a blessing to everyone. And he's a blessing to everyone because he, he gives of himself to others. He gives up, he sacrifices in his friendships. He relinquished, you remember, his rights to the good land, even though he was the elder. He was the uncle of Lot. He said, no, you take the good stuff. He rescues Lot when Lot gets captured in Genesis 14. He risked his own safety. And then he begs God to have mercy on Lot in Genesis 18. So Abraham's a blessing to everyone. And that's just the way God's friends are. They are in a habit. <laughs> they are habitual blessers. You, you know people like that. So I know many of you that are just, every time I'm in contact with you, there's encouragement and there's blessing overflowing from you. Because you're a friend of God. But this week we're going to dive into what a foe looks like. And so the first attribute of a foe of God, um, an enemy of God, a person who maybe carelessly or intentionally does or fails to do things that distance themselves from God. And so, first we see that foes of God separate from God's community. They separate themselves from God's community. They don't want biblical advice. It rains down too much on their lifestyle and they distance themselves. And uh, to trace uh, Lot's family demise, we can walk on back to Genesis chapter 13, which we looked at some last week, where Abraham, this is uh, Genesis 13 verse nine, Abraham said to Lot, if you take the left, I'll take the right. If you take the right, I'll take the left. And of course, what does Lot do? He lifts up his eyes and behold, the Jordan Valley was well watered like the garden of the Lord. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. I love that it added that footnote because I believe at the time that uh, Genesis was being written, inspired to be written, it was obviously they needed a footnote to explain. It didn't look like it does right now. It used to look, it used to be beautiful. (laughs) So Zoar uh, was one of the cities of the plain that included Sodom and Gomorrah. And so we continue to see where things go south for Lot. Genesis 13, 11 holds a key to this. Uh, we didn't read this part last week. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. Thus, here it is, they separated from each other. He's separating from God's community. And I know they needed to separate for the sake of room, but if, uh, you know, when you have property lines, you know, if Abraham was camped on the, on the east, I'd have been camped on the west. Wherever Abraham was, I'd have been camped out as close to him as I could get. But he was not, he distanced him, himself from them. Despite Lot's uh, hospitality to the guests. Listen to this, he has spent so much isolated time with wicked people, enemies of God, that he appears to not even recognize these imp- the importance of these men, these angels who had come to destroy his city. He doesn't even seem to recognize them. And church, I don't believe this passage is explicitly talking about the New Testament church, but I would say in the New Testament church, even still, when we begin to separate from God's people for creature comforts, it is never good. There's the separation But secondly, foes of God accommodate their convictions. And I didn't say commendation, I said accommodation. Accommodation uh, is defined as uh, to fit in or adapt to the needs of another, right? And, And so it sounds a lot like servanthood, be all things to all people. So that some might be saved, but that's not what this is. (laughs) This isn't servanthood, this is compromise. Genesis 19 verse 12, Abraham settled in the land of Canaan while Lot settled among the cities of the valley. And here it is, moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Now there's nothing wrong with seeking some comfort creature comfort there's nothing wrong with having nice things or approving your standard of living by the way uh, i was just talking to somebody before the service you find me in scripture now i know that people can move jobs around based on uh finances and they may choose a job Uh, but let me tell you something nowhere in scripture nowhere in scripture are you going to find someone being sent out toward money God help all these prosperity gospel preachers. God help them. They're liars. Find it in scripture. Find where God sent someone anywhere ever for money. And I would challenge you, what, even in your jobs, that you may be trying to seek a better uh, lifestyle for your family, get a little extra money to send them to a certain school. I understand those are re- realities. You be careful that you let the Lord deal with your needs and, and choose things, listen to the Lord. Um, there's nothing wrong with it on improving your standard. But, and by the way, I find it very hypocritical that, that we're the same generation uh, that a lot of us, some of you, never discipline your kids, no matter how blatant they rebel against you, sticking their finger in your face, and you don't care, you ignore it, and you fail to discipline, and then you lavish on them every gift known to mankind. And you're the same people that complain about how spoiled kids are these days. I'm like, well, we did it. We're the ones lavishing everything on them. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, we're, there's a picture I want to show you here. This is this guy's name is Mike Hodge. All right. I hope you don't know Mike Hodge. Um, I'd leave that picture up there. He, he was recovering in the hospital in this picture in 2018. Uh, according to news reports, Mike had once been a, a financial trader in England, but the couple and uh, I think his wife's name was Chrissy and their two children moved to South Africa in the late 90s. I think it was actually 99 to make a business of Hodges dream of living among the lions. See, y'all already know where this is going, don't you? Mm hmm. I know why he's in the hospital. The headline in the Washington Post on May 2nd, 2018 read, he bottled fed a lion cub. 10 years later, it attacked him on video and was shot dead. Now his first lion, Nina, was queen of his household, it says, until she grew too big, the bulletin wrote. Nina slept in Mike's bed, washing his face and giving him a spit bath at 3 a.m. Mmm, delicious, all right? The, the 72-year-old had bottle-raised the lion, cared for it all its life, a full decade, when it attacked him. He suffered a broken jaw, several lacerations. The family confirmed. Now, I'm not gonna show the video, and don't y'all be looking it up on your phones. Y'all can look it up at 1145, all right? It's intense, I watched it several times. (laughs) Just to get my point, you know, just to be sure I was accurate today. But listen, listen to what their website said. If you looked up the website of this this, uh, Wild Kingdom place that he ran, it said, your bed will truly vibrate with the lion's roar. Yeah, because they're going to tie chickens to your drapes. They, and, and Hey, you think I'm kidding? They really did tie chickens to the cage. They put all these people in a cage, tied chickens to the outside of it, opened up the cage, drove in with the lions, and they jumped on the, the, the thing you were in. And you're just like slava dripping as they're eating the, the dead chickens. <laughs> it's a shocker, all right? And here's the reason I'm sharing all this. Because reality TV sells. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sharing it because... That's exactly what Lot does. Are y'all hearing me? Lot relocates his family to the lion's den. Only the the problem is there's another lion, a lion of Judah, and he's about to exact his wrath. You better get away from that den. And he he should have known better. Uh, Verse 12 says, Lot moved his tent as far as Sodom. But listen, it's about to get worse. Genesis 14, 12, uh, they also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions and went away. Remember when he got kidnapped? Remember when he got taken away into captivity? Where was he at? Well, now he's dwelling in Sodom. First, he was just pitching his tent towards Sodom, near Sodom, but now he's in it. And then he, so he chooses the good land. He moves him, his family near the wicked city. and Just a few clicks later, he's dwelling in Sodom, but it gets worse, it gets worse. After his epic departure, uh, you remember when he got kidnapped, Abraham went, I think in Genesis 14, and went and rescued him. So he comes back, and surely he knows better now. Yeah, so he's, he's moved near Sodom. At the, at the capture, he's dwelling in Sodom. And then he's moved, to, he, he's been uh, rescued. Surely he's going to move back close to his rescuer, Abraham, right? The, the people of got surely he'll, he'll move that way. What is it, where do we find him in Genesis 19, verse 1? What does it say? Sitting in the gate of Sodom. Now, MacArthur says Lot was, was probably a judge. It, it, I, don't, I didn't know if it was, it could be a play on words. It could have been literal, our tongue in cheek, when, the, when they said, you've become our judge, This sojourner Lot has become our judge. You're going to judge us. You're not even one of us right? But he may have actually been the judge because, you know, people came to the gate to transact business and city affairs. But it looks like to me accommodation, slowly drifting towards wickedness, a frog in a frying pan. Only you're not a frog. You got blisters on your feet, You got sweat pouring down your brow. Your blood is beginning to boil. Everything in you is saying, jump out of the frying pan. But you stay. And that's how some of you are in your sin. That's how how wickedness overtakes us. It is literally a living example of Psalm 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not. In the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Do you see those three steps of accommodation? Walking. I'm just leisurely stroll. Just going to get to know him. Standing. That's a little bit deeper involvement. Oh, now we're in a conversation now. Sitting. That's a settled position with all the full intent to stay. Listen, we can be friends of sinners. We, should, we are sinners. We can be friends to the lost. We should be all things to all people, not without breaking God's commands, of course. I saw a great documentary this week on a great uh, Q&A session, uh, apologetic session on this very issue of of when we should break the, the laws of, God, of the land. When is it okay to break uh, earthly laws? And one of, them, one of them is when those laws, when the government tells you to do something, God's word tells you not to, then break it. Don't obey the government. When they say, we're not to be a rebellious people. We're not to be a you know, don't tread on me. You're not gonna tell me what to do. Actually, we're supposed to submit to the government. That's the majority of what we're supposed to do until it crosses God. Accommodations, 1 Corinthians 15, do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. We are never called to sacrifice our families or our own souls on the altar of ministry. So be careful when you reach into that fire to pull out that friend of yours that you don't get sucked in with them. I've seen that happen lot seeks comfort in all the wrong places by his separation from god's people and his little staycation with god's enemies and friendly. even on the mission field when we were serving over in south asia we had to have an exit strategy we're not going there to become indian we're going there to reach people with the gospel right it's I, my goal is not to assimilate my my goal is to reach right now i may learn the languages and and, and adapt to some of the cultural things but syncretism kills the church that's where two two a cult and a and the truth of God's word merge together our desire is to reach the lost but if the gospel won't save them friend you won't the gospel is the power of God into salvation and even if you've spent time and time discipling someone who's not yet trusted in Christ there is a, a line in the sand that you have to draw where you're, where you, you've given, you're giving too much. There are other people who need Christ and will be receptive. So sow the seed, and if the seed doesn't produce, there is a time to move on. And there are relationships many of you need to get away from, not in not in pious in piety like I'm better than you, but in in toxic situations where people are you're, you're spending all your time. Well, there's separation, there's accommodation, and I got to keep going. Uh, third of God moderate God's wrath and there's several in here I won't have time to cover them all I'll I'll hit a couple of these before we end today the first one is the wake-up call church look if you have uh, half of a spiritual brain (laughs) if you know the Lord I believe you do and then you know that God works things together for good he even manipulates and uses bad things for our good uh, Romans eight twenty eight says, and we know f- that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. We're going we're on Wednesday nights right now. We just finished up um, looking at creation and evolution and and uh, the truth of a six day creation and uh, combating some of those things on Wednesday nights. But now we're moving into the providence of God. God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. That's what we're covering on Wednesday nights. You're welcome to come 6.30 to 7.30 sharp. It's just a kind of little bit condensed version of what you get on a Sunday morning. And there's ministries for all ages. And by the way, there's a meal you can sign up online on Piperton Baptist. If you want to be involved in that, Hebrews 12, verse five says, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Listen for him. God's not trying to zap you. He's not trying to catch you off guard. Our son, Salem, has been in this phase where he, lo- he loved to scare his mother I don't know why he does not want to scare me, but uh, you know, probably because I punch back. But uh, he, so he, he, like the <laughs> a while ago, Vicky woke up and he's two inches from her face, like right there, just standing there, right. And the other, uh, so he was out this week. He was down at a friend's house with Isaiah, and she didn't know that he'd come home. So he snuck into the house. So she thinks she's all alone in the house. Like I wasn't there. No one's there. And he jumped out and he, you know what? He scared the cuss words right out of her. (laughs) She probably said snuffleupagus or something like that. We all have those Christian cuss words, don't we? You mean the same thing. You just said farfuck, but we know what you meant. All right. Listen, here's the deal. God's not trying to sneak up on you. I know he does come like a thief in the night. It will come suddenly. But he's warning us that it's going to come suddenly. It's like, I'm warning you. I'm warning you that it's going to be sudden. So that's not sudden. It's not sudden if we've been warned. <laughs> and so he's not, it, 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 listen, foes of God tend to moderate the wrath of God. In my sanctified imagination, I believe Genesis 14 was a wake-up call for Lot. He settled near, near Sodom and then God lets him get kidnapped and lets them get rescued so maybe they'll wake up get away from these wicked people but I'm going to tell you something foes of God tend to make normal spiritual emergencies y'all know what I'm talking about emergency (laughs) spiritual emergencies you've gone too far it's time to cut ties it's time to make radical changes in my life spiritually I cannot keep on this path and serve God. I'm going to kill myself with my lifestyle, with my decision-making, in my relationships. Stop, jump out of the frying pan. But foes of God don't do that. They normalize a spiritual emergency. The alarms are going off. The British gathered their troops into old Boston. Y'all know it's, it's early colonial days, April 18th, 1775. They planned an attack on us. The little secret strategy was come to cross the Charles River at night in small boats. And then they were going to attack cities of Concord and Lexington. Uh, Everyone was asleep except one man. Y'all know who that was. He discovered their plan. He mounted his horse, rode through the night to alert all the colonists. Uh, Of course, you know, his actions became legendary as Paul Revere's ride through the towns, waking all those unsuspecting sleeping colonists with the cry, what? The British are coming. The British are coming. Wake up. The intensity in his voice, I can hear the, the, you know, you can hear the thunder on those cobblestone streets, you know, or, or dirt roads, whatever they were, running through the town. His alarm aroused those minute men and they jumped up into action and we became a country <laughs> because somebody was awake. But Lot moves back in with the wicked, a potential wake-up call Ignored. I've seen it too many times. Car wrecks, sickness. I also know people who read those wake-up calls and their hearts were broken over the place they were. And they recognized that it was God who healed them. And they pursued God. There are people in the sanctuary right now, I know their stories, who did just that. God woke them up and they listened. They heard it. Romans 13:11 besides you this you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed that's right every day is one step closer to the Lord. Don't make light of his discipline. Don't waste life's struggles in complaint and depression. See what God is teaching you and move towards safety. Move toward him. If you're a child of God, he has rescued you from death. Wake up. Well, people who don't take seriously their own spiritual emergencies are often the same people who seem to water down the wrath of God for others right? What we'll call the watered down warning. Genesis 19, 12. Then the men, this is the angels we're talking about, said to Lot, have you anyone else here? Sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, anyone you have in the city, bring them out of this place for we're about to destroy this place. It's going to happen because the outcry against his people has become great before the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And we're about to do what God sent us to do. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-laws who were to marry his daughters, up, get out of this place for the Lord's about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his son-in-laws to be jesting. Now I will say the problem could be that the sodomite son-in-laws, because they're they're locals, by the way, they're not gonna make it out. We'll see that next week. They're not gonna make it. But these son-in-laws could have just been ignoring the warning. But based on Lot's apathy and his poor decision making that we've already seen, I think it's both. I think it's a watered down warning heard by a defiant deaf ear. Speaking God's warning to others in such a way that it doesn't really seem like we believe it or even care. I've told some of y'all this story. This is a true story of my friend, Wes. When we were getting ready to go over to to South Asia, we were in training together in, in, uh, in another state. And Wes had already spent time with a mission organization on what's called frontliners. Frontliners were risk takers. These people went into places where it was illegal, strictly illegal by the government, to distribute Christian literature or even talk about Christ. And they went into one of these places. At the time, it was, I believe, it was Lebanon. I don't know if he was in Beirut or an, an outside village, but they would drop him and his team off with backpacks of biblical materials in the local languages that had been translated into local languages. Tracts of uh, uh, tape cassettes uh, and, and Jesus films and things like that. And so they would get dropped off on one side of this strip and then the, the driver would go around five miles away and wait for them. And boy, they would blaze through there and they would slip into hotels and they would tuck the materials down in the couch seat and slip, you know, distribute the materials kind of covertly. Well, they got lost. And uh, so they went into this hotel, and this sweet man was was there, and he helped them. Uh, And so they gave him a tape, I believe, uh, a cassette tape of the entire gospel in their local language, kind of a creation story from creation to Christ. And uh, he turned them in to the police. He called the police. They arrested him, uh, and they were being detained. And while they were being detained, one of those police officers had pulled a a Bible uh, out of... Wes's backpack. And he was shaking it in Wes's face, yelling at him for preaching Christ in his village, yelling at him and shaking that Bible. And Wes said, I don't, I don't know what came over me. But all of a sudden I just went and I clamped my hands down on that Bible. And I said, Hey, you better be careful what you're doing. You're holding the words of God. And he said, that guy just froze like a, like a statue. And he said, he, he never moved his hand again, but he kept yelling. No, 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 no. He kept going off on him, but never moved. Did you know the chief came in after eight hours of detainment and sees these Americans, that he's detained these Americans, and they didn't want that kind of heat coming down on them? And the chief rips into his police officers in front of Wes and his, and his buddy. And he said, What are you doing detaining these guys? Well, they were like, Well, they were distributing this Christian material. He said, Well, have you listened to it? Well, no. So they sat. All the police department came together, put the tape in and they listened to an hour gospel presentation. And the chief said, this isn't blasphemy. And two weeks later they showed the Jesus film in the hotel of the guy who turned him in. Because that chief had said it's okay. They lived in fear, you know, to be associated with Christ, they lived in fear. But now that it, this chief says it's okay, okay, let's show the Jesus film. And I believe it was partly because of the intensity in Wes's heart over the word of God. And I don't know how you talk to your kids about Jesus, but there are times where you need to, you need to be passionate. You're gonna be called a freak. <laughs> you, know, you know the old song, Jesus Freak. But your kids need some passionate warnings. We should tremble at the word of God. There are many, many weeks Whereas I'm reading the Bible, I cannot sit at my desk. I get out of my chair. I don't care who thinks I'm crazy. They probably think I'm being robbed. And I get down behind my desk and I lay prostrate, all, all I mean, hands out before the Lord. This is holy stuff, guys. This is the word of God. This is gonna happen. I don't care what your, your, your social media says. I read it. I know. And we gotta be Ready? We need to tremble at God's word because there's a real heaven and a real hell. Why is it Lot? Why is it Lot grabbing his son-in-laws by the nap of their dadgum robes and dragging their tails out of the place? Why? And I really believe he regretted it. I think Lot had to have lived with that regret for the rest of his life. Friend, listen. Foes of God. You want to be a friend of God? Do not separate from God's community. Do not accommodate your convictions. You don't have to be a jerk about it. That doesn't mean you need to bend. You've got some things you don't need to bend. I talk to parents all the time, Christian parents, and they're like, we don't know what to do. Our son's rebellious. Our daughter's rebellious. I say, well, what are you doing? And they'll tell me what they're doing. And they're doing everything the scripture says to do. I mean, there's some spiritual tough love in there. There's grace and mercy and genuineness in the home. I said, well, it doesn't matter. You may not always get the outcome you want, but that doesn't mean you, you need to move on your convictions. The fires of Sodom would not be extinguished. Don't separate from God's community. Don't accommodate your convictions, and don't moderate God's wrath. Don't make light of God's wrath. It's coming. There won't be a sin that's ever been committed that will not be punished every, every thought, every word, every deed, every unspoken encouragement, everything you didn't do that you should have, everything will be judged. And it'll either fall on the back of Jesus or it'll fall on you in eternity in hell. (laughs) So sound the trumpet in your family, sound the trumpet in the youth group, sound the trumpet at your work. Don't be scared. You don't have to be scared, and you should want other people to have the same peace you do. Would you stand? Father God, when we think, when any Christian thinks about the, the, a picture of the wrath of God, a little bitty uh, slither of, of an example of hell, uh, just, uh, just, just one fraction of your wrath, we can't help but think of this story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Father, we live in Sodom. We can't turn commercials on without homosexual acts being seen on our televisions. Our kids are seeing it on TikTok and social media. We're seeing it. God, we cannot compromise. And it's not just about same-sex attraction. There's adultery. There's pornography. There's murder. There's stealing. There's disrespectful (laughs) kids and and there's prideful adults. Lord, it's not just sexual sin, but Lord, in Sodom, it seems to be that that is at the bottom of this slippery slope in Romans 1. And so God, we cry out, Lord, in mercy. Rescue these people. Rescue us, God. You've already rescued us in our sin as Christians. We pray, God, rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Be merciful, God. I pray today if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, Lord, I, I, I wouldn't mind a bit if they got scared into heaven. <laughs> Lord, as long as they know that they need to repent of their sin, call on the name of Jesus to be saved. Father God, I pray for those that are that are still hovering in those chairs and haven't committed to be members. Uh, maybe because they're scared to serve or they don't know what their gifts are, Lord. You don't know until you step forward and, and make commitments to, to be part, to be a servant and see what the Lord might have for you. You may want to join our church today. There may be others that may have been saved for years. They just haven't been uh, baptized. They've never made a public commitment to the Lord. They have repented. They do believe in your death, burial, and resurrection, but they've never made it known. Let them make, it know, make, let them make that known now. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: This has been sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit
1: www.pipertonbaptist.com.